0: Behind every successful Santa is an army of unpaid
1: elves. (laughs) Have either of you watched any?
2: I haven't yet, but Adam, just say no.
1: It is the crack cocaine of TV.
2: I left that episode one with so many questions. Why? Who? What? 90s erotic thriller. I watch a lot of them in COVID.
0: I'm sorry, we can't can't let that slide. (laughs) So you didn't watch him in the 90s? You you watched him in the 2020s. Yep. Any other questions? I can't see. I can't see. He shot me in my eyes. I can't see.
1: This podcast was recorded remotely and contains adult themes and language. Hello and welcome to TV DNA, The Watchlist. My name is Adam Henning and I'm currently joined by Damien Cooper. Hello. And we are due to be joined... Momentarily by Grace Chapman, but we've jumped on early to cover what Damo's been watching, because he may have to nick off for an early night. (laughs) That makes it sound really sordid.
0: That made you sound like an Aussie. You have to nick off.
1: (laughs) There's been a lot of Australian in my uh, TV watching over recent times and my radio listening in effect given that the ashes are currently on and some other shows that I, I will talk about later on but yeah there may be a few aussie slip-ups coming in
0: fair enough and just uh, as of the time and recording
1: what's the situation with the ashes so we lost the first two narrowly lost the first two tests of the five test series but then we very nearly threw the third one away having been in a really good position and managed to scrape again another narrow win. Uh, so it's now 2-1 to Australia with two uh, two tests left.
0: Okay. So, so all of them have been quite hotly contested then.
1: Yeah, all very, very close, definitely. And we, we've kind of forgotten now about the whole not not it wasn't cheating, it's within the rules, but the whole Aussie's breaking of the spirit of, of cricket. That's that's kind of been forgotten about now. So we can we can move on. Oh, Lots of great stuff in, in Instagram reels
0: and on Twitter about non English people reacting to that in the spirit of the game argument.
1: <laughs> it, it was a whole thing, and I don't think they should have done what they did. They did it, they don't really care. And we, we need to stop moaning about it and move on.
0: Yeah, I think that's right.
1: Definitely move on from it. So, we're going to talk about then you run. Today, but we maybe hold off for Grace on that one, just because she may have seen it. So let's let's start with with what you've been watching, Demo.
0: Well, a- another bit of England-based sport action. I watched the Under Twenty-One European Cup final. I rushed home from rehearsals for a play that I'm doing at the space. That watched four d and lost reception as I went under the Thames, and was in Greenwich on the DLR, pulling my hair out, uh, got home in time for the second half, which England won, beat Spain, but there was drama at the end with a double save following a penalty, which meant England are European under-21 champions. And really exciting. I know, I'm sorry for those who don't care about football. I'm sorry for those listening who don't care about sport but that is really exciting for the England squad.
1: Very much so. I I actually watched the first 40 minutes of that match and then had to go off and do something else. So turned off pretty much just before the (laughs) one goal was scored. Who do you think, Damo, of that team or squad is most likely to make the step up to the full England squad?
0: Wow. I mean, the thing is, now you've said that, I can't remember a single person's name, but I think Pickford's got to be looking over his shoulder our keeper didn't we didn't concede a single goal and that the dying seconds of the final saved a penalty uh I think that's probably the, the main person for me but I was quite I was quite impressed by loads of them obviously Emil Smith Rowe uh was playing in that team he already plays the Arsenal seniors I'm sure he might make his way into the England side Archer I was quite impressed with when he came off the bench
1: I would say given the age of the England centre-backs and actually the limited amount I saw, I thought he was quite impressive. Levi Colwell, the defender, I thought was really, really strong.
0: Yeah, lots of people talk about Levi. We could very well maybe see him in Germany for the Euros.
1: Grace Chapman's just joined us in, just in time for all of the, the football chat.
2: Yeah, sorry, I thought I'd just stumbled into a football podcast then. What's going on?
1: <laughs> England won the Under-21 European Championship.
2: Just white noise, honestly. <laughs>
1: How are you, Grace?
2: Oh, I'm good. I'm really good. How are you both?
1: Yeah, not too bad. We've just been talking about Australians and the England football team. We'll come back to Australians, I'm sure. But Damo, have you been watching anything else?
0: Yes, I have. I've continued
1: watching Hijack on Adam's Apple TV+.
0: Plus. I don't know. I need to find out what the next level is after zealous uh, suspension of disbelief. Because, I mean, <laughs> there's a couple of moments in episode three where I was like, "What? wait, what? H- how are there bullets on this plane? How have they possibly got bullets here? And why would they bother starting with blanks and then have live rounds to use? I mean, I guess that's a bit of a spoiler, but it didn't make any sense to me.
1: There was a moment sort of three minutes into that third episode. I can't remember exactly what it was, but I, I did think of you at that moment, thinking there will be eyes eyes are rolling. <laughs> but I think it's gripping stuff. I really do. I think I I thoroughly enjoy it. I think it's really, really exciting TV.
0: I mean, I'll probably still watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I finished Champion. I had to really, really control my consumption but I still smashed through it. I think I probably watched two episodes a day and that was me really trying my hardest. Really enjoyed it. As we mentioned, friend of the pod, Fergus. Isn't it throughout now?
1: Yeah, and also another performer, well, another person who performed at the space in the original Saving of Santa, Emma Dennis Edwards. She co-wrote at least one of the episodes I saw on the credits. So yeah, really great to see. I mean, she's written some other TV stuff as well and is doing really well. So, yeah, very exciting. She was an elf in The Saving of Santa way back when. Mm-hmm. An important role. Yeah. Vital.
2: Absolutely
0: vital. Can't have Christmas without elves. Everyone knows. Just ask the big man. He'll tell you. Behind every successful Santa is an army of unpaid elves.
1: <laughs> I've got three episodes of Champion left to go. And... um. It's an interesting one because every time I come, it comes up to the top of my my rotation of episodes that I'm watching and shows that I'm watching. I'm like, oh, champion! Yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying that, but I'm, uh, yeah, okay. I'll watch the next one, and then I love it and it's brilliant and it hooks me and I'm sort of straight into it again. But yeah, I don't know why there's that initial kind of ah oh, about it all. I
0: I don't know why either. Maybe we could have an in depth podcast where you where we talk about your personal journey. Uh, with TV watching And maybe we can unlock that I think the season finale is really good I don't really want to say much more than that Really good And another thing I've been watching Is Liverpool Narcos Which is a documentary series on Sky Slash now As I'm trying to perfect my Scouse accent For this show that I'm in So I wanted to hear some real Scouse bad boys Obviously as a kind of natural alpha male myself um, I'm kind of drawn to that way of living. but I just want to make sure I get the accent right.
2: Oh, demo Liverpool accent. One of the toughest to
0: crack. Yeah, yeah. and one of the most fun as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Talking about my, my TV watching habits, we might need to get to the intervention stage soon because I've been watching Traitors Australia.
2: Right, OK. Mm-hmm. Which started
1: on Sunday and... Long-time listeners to the podcast may remember that I binged the whole of The Traitors, uh, the UK version, starting at 10pm in the evening and finishing at 10 o'clock the following morning. And it's taken a lot of willpower not to do that with Traitors Australia. Have either of you watched any?
2: I haven't yet. But Adam, just say no. Just say no.
1: It is the crack cocaine of TV. Absolutely. You know, there's huge amounts of effort required to stop me going on to the next episode. Uh, I think where this one differs from the US version is that there are no celebrities involved in this one or minor celebs. They're all normal people. I say normal people. There's a criminal defence lawyer, a forensic scientist, a clairvoyant, a chess champion, and Australia's longest living held hostage.
0: Okay, that's thrown me. Um, So I guess... (laughs) I, I hope the longest living or the longest held Australian hostage doesn't suffer from too much PTSD.
1: Yeah, well, he says his his whole thing is that his negotiation skills, because he basically had to negotiate to keep himself alive whilst he was kept hostage. He's a, he's you know he's a really interesting character, I think. Um, and I don't I don't know how long ago it was. I think he was quite a young man when he was held hostage, and he's now got to be in his sort of late forties, fifties, I'd say.
0: And my final question is, has the clairvoyant already worked out who all the traitors are, or is it proving that it's all a big pile of bullshit?
1: Well, it's a big spoiler. Big spoiler. I can't really say one way or the other. I'm not going to reveal anything about the clairvoyant, but I think it is a genius addition to the show.
2: I love how Australia just totally upped the game in terms of the people. Like, what I think we had, like... Do we have like a customer service rep, <laughs> like a magician, that yeah. a slightly dodgy magician? Yes, Australia, this is exciting.
1: Yeah, they've got rather fetching uh, red robes with gold masks as well, which I think is uh, a good look for the traitors.
2: Also, there's one extra traitor, right?
1: Yeah, four traitors in this instead of the three. Yeah, which is... Again, an interesting dynamic. But also, there's uh, the I, I want to give uh, kudos to Roger the host, partly because it means I can say Roger the host a lot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did think with the red robes and the gold mask, does feel a bit Eyes Wide Shut sex party style.
1: <laughs> He's very suave. He's very good, actually, I think, Roger Roger, the host. But yes, Traitors Australia. If you enjoyed the UK version, I think you'll enjoy this one too.
2: Is that Mabib?
1: Yeah, the whole thing's there. All twelve episodes are available already. Fantastic. Uh, should we should we continue along the what we've been watching before we talk about then new run? Sounds good. Grace, what have you been watching?
2: Um, I finished a couple of things. I finished Somebody Somewhere, and I know Adam. I did listen to last week's watch list because I was keen to hear what you thought, and I also think it was just yeah, didn't. It's very hard for me to say this because I love it so much. And it's such a great show, but I felt like it was just not quite at the same level as season one. I think what happened, I can't say it because I'll spoil it too much. It just felt like it was a little bit darker than season one, like throughout.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think there was, it was nice to get more of her sister. And I enjoyed the sort of new characters that came in, thought they were good additions as well. But yeah, the ending for me just didn't quite hit the mark in a way that I hoped it would but as I said last week if this is if season two is a bridge to somewhere else then this somebody is is in for it
2: I love <laughs> that you've said that again i am just, just so <laughs> proud of it
1: <laughs> so proud
2: I, I mean look I I'm totally in love with this show so season season three bring it on I also love having a bit more Fred That was just such a great character. I loved the last episode. I think they stuck the landing. I just think it was the lead up to that. It might be because I skipped an episode by accident. Did you go back? I did. I was like, oh my God, so, so much has happened. Oh God. I basically did a me. (laughs) And then was like, wait, this is surely not. Anyway, so very excited for season three. And then I know that you finished this as well, Adam, but I finished Deadlock last night.
1: Yes, more Australians.
2: Oh, just absolutely brilliant. Amazing. Couldn't fault the finale. So funny. But also like what I love most about it is even though it's been trying to spoof crime dramas it's totally a crime drama in its own right i was totally gripped in the finale about who you know who done it and the like constant realizations they were having throughout the finale it's just brilliant
1: yeah i mean my note was what started out as a broad church parody turned into a highly credible murder mystery um, Totally. and just the cast the characters right it's just a brilliant array of down to earth characters the laughter continues throughout, and even in that sort of final reveal of who it is, the sort of really brilliant comedic moments in that. I just thought it was incredibly well done. It's such a unique world that's been built, a unique community. Yeah, so I think I think Deadlock, or we should say Deadlock on Prime Video, is really, really worth worth a watch. Very funny, feminist, dark comedy slash thriller. Shout out to Kate Box and Madeline Sammy who play Dusty Collins and Eddie Redcliffe because they were both brilliant in it
2: and they've definitely set up for a season two which I'm very happy about
1: yeah is that, that hasn't been confirmed has it I don't, I they... don't
2: think so but the st- you could the, the way they finish season one it, we could have a season two very yep. easily which I would absolutely love big thumbs up for deadlock from me sometimes I just dive into uh the great American smoking barbecuing jamboree <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's literally just called barbecue showdown there's no, gro- <laughs> there's not even an American in the front of it. It's just called Barbecue Showdown. Really? Yeah. There's
2: no jamboree. <laughs> it's outrageous. Um, so yeah, just to think that occasionally, really enjoying that. I can't work out why I love it, why I'm enjoying it so much. It's just like people smoking meat.
0: <laughs> Does that grace on a Friday night? <laughs> my my question was. Remind us how can one enjoy the great American, sorry, the great all-American Stars and Stripes barbecue jamboree showdown smash fest.
2: It's on Netflix. Seasons one and two on Netflix. So I don't know what it is about it, but I just keep coming back.
1: It's just... you, you you've been watching season one, haven't
2: you? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I might go back and watch season one. I've only watched season two.
2: And then yeah, that's basically it from me. I'm really keen to carry on with the change because i haven't managed to pick that back up but i loved episode 1 so really really keen to get back on that and then i think the next the next two big things on my list are silo which i know as preaching to the choir here my sister is also a huge fan and loving your pods by the way and i've got to catch up on the bear
1: yeah where is that happens. i think it's next week maybe
2: Oh shite
1: catch up. up yeah you will you will Quite quick, short episodes, I think,
2: from memory. Great. So, yeah, that's sort of on my radar.
1: Um, Well, last week I talked about um, The Idol having got halfway through the final episode. And I have since, obviously, watched that second half of that final episode. And, oh, my God, (laughs) they retcon pretty much the whole thing in the most ridiculous way. The ending of that show was jaw-droppingly bad. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it has been sort of talked about loads on social media. You may well have seen it on there. It also made me reflect on the fact that that Dan Levi's character disappears after about the second or the third episode, never to be seen or mentioned again. But yeah, we went into various issues with that show. I wouldn't be surprised if we have got a second season, but I, I won't be watching the second season after, after that finale. So that's that done. Then Most of my time this week has been spent watching Foundation season one in preparation for season two. And I know I've mentioned this before and talked about it a lot when we, you know, in the early days of the podcast, but i really benefited, I think, from being able to watch it all in one as opposed to waiting for episodes every week. It is one of those stories that you have to pay attention to, but it's so much easier to follow when you can just go straight into the next episode. But I just love it. I think it's so incredible. It's sumptuous in its design like the costume design alone is incredible but when you add in the set and the cgi and all the other bits and pieces it's so beautiful to watch such a great story epic story spanning decades in season one and i imagine it will go beyond that in the future the cast are just fantastic cast are superb i want clark peters to be my dad you've got characters with names like harry Seldon, Gail dornick and Salvor hardin and such brilliant, brilliant names. And then you've got Empire. So the Empire is ruled by these clones of Cleon I, the first emperor, who are called Brother Day, Brother Dawn, and Brother Dusk. Uh, and they're basically clones of this guy at different ages. All of that stuff. Lee Pace, so, so good as Brother Day. It's gripping, twisty. It's lean and pacey. It goes at a, a real rocket, I think, the storyline. It's philosophical. And yes, it's sci-fi, but it's never purely for sci-fi's sake, I think. It's got loads of big topics, life, death, destiny, cycles of history, nature versus nurture, and best of all, advanced maths. (laughs) Wow. The the maths is not, you know, you don't have to understand the maths. It's all theoretical maths, really, and and stuff. Love it. Really, really love Foundation. Cannot wait for season two.
2: I'm glad you're enjoying it. But, you know, when you said um, brother... Dawn and Brother... Is it Brother Dawn and Brother Dusk?
1: Yeah, and Brother Dave.
2: I thought you said Brother Dave.
1: (laughs) Oh, man.
0: What a character, Brother Dave.
2: (laughs) It would be like, you know, Brother Dawn and Brother Dusk, kind of these lofty theoretical brothers, and then there's Brother Dave.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That would make me watch it, if there was a Brother Dave.
1: You're not going to watch it then, Foundation Season 2. You saw the first season, didn't you, Dame?
0: I watched the first couple of episodes, but I I struggled. There were some funny accents, I think was my main issue, and they kept on going back to this pool. There were lots of these kind of weird scenes in the first series where someone was swimming and someone else was kind of having quite expositional, heavy conversation with them whilst they were outside of the pool. That felt like it happened a couple too many times for me. But, you know, I'm a massive Debbie Downer about stuff, so... It's not unsurprising. I do have a quick question. So, you said that there's all this kind of theoretical maths. But the important thing is, do they call it theoretical maths or theoretical math?
1: Uh, I think they use maths actually from memory. Okay. okay.
0: Well, maybe I could be tempted back to it then. <laughs>
1: I'm also sticking with The Crowded Room um, and enjoying that's coming coming towards a close there. Still watching Gamora and Parks and Rec, enjoying both of those. And also Secret Invasion, which is so disappointingly bad. I don't know how Izzy and I are going to record our next episode about that. I'm hoping episode four is going to be incredible. What do you think is worse, Secret
0: Invasion or The Book of Boba Fett? Um, gosh, currently Secret Invasion. Okay, I mean, I'm never going to watch either, but...
2: (laughs) What's what's worse, Secret Invasion or Citadel?
0: Um,
1: Secret Invasion.
0: Ooh, dear me. Okay, I like this game we're now playing.
1: What's (laughs) worse, (laughs) Secret Invasion or Crowded Room? Secret Invasion is worse. I can't, this is causing me pain because I hate, you know, I hate to be hating on a, on an MCU show because you know how much love I have for it. And particularly the first MCU show we're covering on the podcast. But yeah, it's just thoroughly disappointing. Dialogue is poor. The plot is confusing and weak. And yeah, it's just, there's very little redeeming stuff in there other than Olivia Coleman, who is superb.
2: Queen Coleman. Just quickly, Adam, where are you up to in Parks and Rec? And are you loving it?
1: I am. So I'm in season two. One of the recent episodes I watched was the one where uh, Will Arnett appears as the um, MRI surgeon that Leslie goes on a date with. But (laughs) in the same episode, you've got Justin Theroux, who I love from Leftovers, who's the guy that she really wants to go out on a date with. And then Benjamin Schwartz, I think his name is, who's in After Party, which we'll be talking about later. Like all of a sudden, three guest stars appearing in the one episode. But yeah, really, really loving Aubrey Plaza. I think she's my my favorite at the moment. She's just so good in that. Uh, also, right, they're all they're all brilliant. But yeah, Ron Swanson. Totally. Should we talk about our featured show then this week? Did you watch it, Grace?
2: I did. Yeah.
1: Oh, no. Then You Run, (laughs) which is on Sky and Now TV, is the story of Tara and her three friends, Stink, Nessie and Ruth. It's also the story of a serial killer. And it's also the story of a lot of drugs. Uh, There's quite a lot going on in this show. I feel like I need to come to Damien first. (laughs) No, go on, (laughs) Grace. Tell us what you thought.
2: Honestly, I'm really confused. I'm confused by this show. I don't know what it is. The opening, I was I was really, I think it's got such a strong opening. I was really in. I was like, this is cool. It's like a silent, very creepy opening. So it started, and I was like, okay, I'm getting Nordic Noir, the bridge, that kind of feel. Then we went into some kind of like London schoolgirl, sometimes trying to be quite funny or a bit quirky. And then there was, then we went into this like drugs gang. I just, I, I found it all. I didn't know what I was watching. I just got a bit confused by the whole thing, to be honest. Please enlighten me as to what you guys thought.
1: Well, I think you're right. I think absolutely it is all of those different things. For me so far, and I've only watched two episodes, that first episode, it didn't bother me that there were all those different elements to it. I think you're actually right. I think the opening sequence, um, which is the serial killer story, was great, really, really fantastic. And, you know, he pops up again in episode two, so we get a bit more of him in that second episode. I quite enjoyed the girls as well. I thought they were quite good fun. I guess that for me, the weaker point is the sort of drugs story, but I think that's what's essentially going to drive the girls forward plot-wise.
0: I echo about the, the opening scene. My issue is amongst those girls, and I don't know why characters are written like this, her best mate, is just such an unrelenting dickhead. Why would you still be mates with that person? You're there. Your grandmother's died, and your best mate stands with you at the coffin. Is just a, an, a complete dickhead for the whole five minutes. Shows no respect to the fact that you've lost your grandmother. They probably know her quite well. I kind of got the idea that they were all kind of knocking around hers a lot when they were when they were kids. I don't know. It just feels like that bit for me just wasn't very. Well written. The Irish family that she then goes to meet in Rotterdam is interesting, but not gripping. I feel, but like I said, I've only watched the first episode, so I probably could go back and watch more. But at the moment, it's it's not a a definite watch for me.
2: I think for me, what it suffered from a bit was almost too much intrigue. Like there was, I left that episode one with so many questions. Why? Who? What? (laughs) (laughs) And I think obviously intrigue is absolutely fundamentally vital to any TV show, particularly a pilot. But this for me just had too many layers of intrigue that I just lost my footing and just couldn't get back in. And I did find some of the writing quite tricky. I didn't love some of the dialogue. So... Yeah, I I didn't love it, I'm afraid. How was it in season... How was it kind of moving into episode two, Adam? Do you feel like some of these concerns would be dealt with?
1: Yeah, no, I think it's interesting that you say there was so much intrigue in that first episode because I was quite excited going into the second episode. And I think the serial killer stuff is intriguing and and done really well in that second episode as well. It feels like, though, because by the end of the first episode, sort of Tara is separated from the other three girls. And ultimately, the second episode is a lot of them then catching up with each other. So it does fall a little bit into the trap of repeating some information that we already know a little too often. Stink, who is the best mate that you were talking about, Demo, I think is deliberately being set up as a fairly dislikable character. Or certainly sort of maybe, maybe a little anti-hero edges to her. I enjoyed some of the dialogue, though, the, the, the sort of Rotterdam-Ramsterdam <laughs> mix-up. What what is non-avot? No? You ask.
2: No? You, I mean, minimum age here is 35, so...
1: There's, a, there's, a, there's some, at some point someone offers someone non-avot and I didn't know what it was. I also wrote down take a sunbath and I can't really remember what that was.
0: Yeah, that was her dad's new partner... Who was very Dutch and was saying, Hey, would you like to come outside and take a sun bath with me? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so there were some it's quite cute. I, I enjoyed Martin, who was the uh, chap who was meeting up with his girlfriend. They met on the coach, he was meeting up with his girlfriend. they late, him on the beach. And he talks about his, his finding his, again, minor spoiler here, um, but talks about finding his girlfriend uh, having oral sex with a slam poet because apparently it warms up their vocals
0: that was yes, a great
1: guy to
2: be fair that, that was a highlight of the episode i believe it's martin adam
1: yes martin is he german
2: <laughs> or dutch maybe dutch
1: yeah could anyway. they're supposed they originally they were supposed to be going on a holiday to zante and by the end of it i was like yeah they they should have gone to zante but by the end of the episode two i was like maybe i should have gone to zante
2: uh, well, first thing I'd say is if you want to see how you could should start an episode or start a series, then this is a good example of how to do it. Like we said, that first that first scene was utterly like silently gripping. Would you are you going to carry on, Adam? Do you think
1: I'm going to give it? I'm going to give it one more. I think I'm definitely going to give it at least one more. I yeah, I think there's I think there is a lot to like about this. Netflix described the diplomat as a as a gourmet cheeseburger. And um, this is, I feel like this is, I was trying to come up with something and you were talking about the different storylines and I was like, well, is this tapas? But maybe it's more like a cheap trifle. <laughs> and sometimes there's room for a cheap trifle, right?
2: Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes all you want is a cheap trifle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> not that this is cheap in any way. I don't think it is cheaply made. I think they've spent some money on this and I think it does look good. And yeah, I think the girls, I think the girls are all good performers. its It's not, it's not going to, Trouble any best of lists, but I think it's good fun.
2: I think that's, that's a fair a fair sum up.
1: Grant, so uh, not necessarily a recommendation, but we're not not hundred percent slaying either. Yeah.
0: What, what's the phrase? What's the phrase in succession about the middle that Greg says to that? That Tom says to Greg. What that is now bottom of the top. No, it's when they're at the wedding in Italy. Just as he's saying. Come with me, Sporus. Who needs a soul anyway? There's something about the great, the never, the always expanding middle, or something like that. I mean, this is shit because we don't know what the quote is. So, <laughs> and
2: let's Uh-oh. spend more time trying to remember that quote without googling it, just for our listeners' ears.
1: <laughs> We're well, speaking of Google. I have found out what a nonovot is. It's a Limburgian pastry dating back to the 17th century. So, there you go. Always
2: say, you know, you say no, just say no to the Australian traders, but always say yes to pastry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Should we talk about what's coming soon? Let's do it. So I kind of already mentioned Foundation, which does come to Apple TV on the 14th of July. Just to add that joining Jared Harris, Lou LaBelle, Leah Harvey and Lee pace are new cast members Ben Daniels and Dimitri Leonidas. Trailers got me very excited. So 14th of July. Uh, which is Friday, will be season two of Foundation.
2: Now, obviously, sci-fi isn't my bag, but I do think anything Jared Harris touches turns to gold. Right? Yes. Totally. So, you know, that's a big tick from me.
1: Will you watch season one and then catch up on season two then, Grace?
2: <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's my daddy cool. did it for
1: you. What else is coming out this week?
2: Something's coming out on Channel 5, guys. It's called Heat. It's out on the 11th of July, so tomorrow at the time of recording. Amidst the Australian bushfire season, Steve, Danny Dyer, and Brad's Darren McMullen families meet up for their annual vacation in the Victorian Highlands where secrets and lies are revealed. More Australian fun? That that last bit's not in the copy,
1: just... (laughs) (laughs) I am being plagued by Australians at the moment, so...
0: I just love the idea of Danny Dyer in Australia in the middle of a middle of a fire, being like, oh my God, look at the size of those flames. <laughs> there um, was a time when Danny Dyer had a series of quote-unquote documentaries where he'd go to like talk to like the most dangerous men in the UK or to football hooligans. And I became so obsessed with them because of how Danny Dyer was. Did you ever watch it, either of you? No. No,
2: because he not following in the steps of Grant Mitchell's documentary success.
1: Well, he's definitely following in the footsteps of Ross Kemp's uh, Channel 5 drama. Uh, I'm not going to use the word success because he was in a Channel 5 drama last week. And now Danny Dyer's in a Channel 5 drama this week. What drama was he in? Uh, it was a show, I think the show's called Blind Spotting, um, but it, it's apparently not very good. Whereas he, I think, might be might be a bit better. This one's on over four nights on Channel 5, so it starts on Tuesday, then four episodes, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But yeah, apparently there are lots of secrets amongst these family members in the middle of a bushfire in Australia.
2: All right, then. Oh, and um, I think you should talk about the next one.
1: Yes, indeed. So... It's a double whammy for Apple TV this week because season two of The After Party comes out on Wednesday, the 12th of July. This is uh, the comedy series from Academy Award winning duo Chris Miller and Phil Lord. You may remember season one, which starred Tiffany Haddish, Sam Richardson and Zoe Chow, who all return for season two. It's essentially a murder mystery comedy. And each episode is told in the style of a different genre. So Tiffany Haddish's detective comes in and she wants to get everybody's version of events and they each tell their story in a different way. So in season one, there was an action episode, there was a musical episode, there was a rom-com, there was an animated episode. It was brilliant, it was funny. One of my favourite shows of that year. Season two is set at a wedding and the it's a whole new cast apart from those three who I mentioned, uh, but it includes... Elizabeth Perkins, Zach Woods, Paul Walter Hauser, Poppy Lou, Anna, Cl- Anna Conkle, Jack Whitehall, Vivian Wu, John Cho and Ken Young. Uh, so really, really brilliant people in this. Very excited about Paul Walter Hauser, particularly. Do
0: you think when Sam Richardson's and Joey Chow's characters turned up at that wedding and see Tiffany Adish, they think oh, someone might die here. Is the Angela Lansbury
1: curse? <laughs> From from my understanding of it, they they go to the wedding and the murder happens and they call in Tiffany Haddish's detective. I believe that's how she becomes in, involved in it all. BFFs um, is keeping the theme of a different episode being a different genre, and in this season, you've got based on the trailer and other bits I've read, uh, a black and white detective sort of noir episode. There's a Wes Anderson style episode. You've got a Jane Austen period drama and a 90s erotic thriller.
2: Oh, my goodness. That it does sound really good. I think I would love this. So maybe I'll try season one. 90s erotic thriller. I watch a lot of them in COVID.
0: I'm sorry, I, I, we, can't, we can't let that slide. <laughs> so you didn't watch him in the 90s. You, you watched him in the 2020s. Yep. Any other questions? What ones would you say are the kind of <laughs> I'm trying not to actually use a euphemism for once? Which would you say were, were were the better end? No, shit, I failed. Uh which do you think were the the stronger entries? No, uh films. My
2: goodness. <laughs> What's happened to your brain? Um, well, look, you know, if Richard Gere's in it, you know, it's gonna be of a certain I'd say maybe quality within that genre. So you're looking out for your Richard Gears, really. But I would say watching the 90s erotic thrillers, the I mean, it's obvious to say, but my God, are the women written badly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, surely Michael Douglas is kind of, uh, you know, number one.
2: Absolutely, Michael Douglas. There's one Richard Gere one where someone come, meets their untimely demise because they get hit on the head by a...
0: What's those Six Snow globe. <laughs> mid
2: um, Unfortunately not, no. no. Oh. That's far too out there for the 90s erotic thriller.
1: <laughs> well, what I was going to say is that you don't need to watch season one to go into season two. They're very much separate stories, same format, same style, and those three characters do carry across. But you can, if you don't have time to watch one of season one before season two starts, which you may not before Wednesday, then you can start with season two if you want to. But I, I recommend both. They Both will be available on Apple TV. Uh, there's one more show out this week, Damon. That's right. On the 13th of
0: July on Paramount+, Plus, that streaming service that we've all signed up to is Quantum Leap. Uh, Dr. Ben Song, lead physicist of a top-secret governmental time travel program known as Quantum Leap, makes an unauthorized leap into the past, awakening in a different body with only fragments of his memory intact. This is actually starting to sound like a 90s erotic thriller. Guided by Addison, a colleague in the present day, who appears to him as a hologram that only he can see and hear. He discovers the only Sorry, he discovers the only way for him to leap again is to correct something in this host person's life. As Ben leaps from life to life, putting right what once went wrong, his team in the present tries to figure out why he leaped and bring him home. It stars Raymond Lee, Ernie Hudson, Mason Alexander Park and Deborah Ann Wall.
1: Did either of you watch the original Quantum Leap?
0: No. But the word leap has lost all meaning. (laughs) (laughs) I think, I don't know if I ever watched a full episode. I think I used to occasionally turn on to BBC Two and find it on there. It It was like the 7.45 slot or whatever on BBC Two. Or maybe not, maybe 5.45. It was kind of around the same time Mixed Gen used to be on. But I never really, I couldn't say I watched a whole episode of it.
1: Yeah it was it had Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell in the original series around from 1989 to 1993 and I was uh I watched a few episodes but it was very much a formulaic show where the same thing pretty much happened he would travel back to a different character at a different time period have to write some wrong before he could then move on and would he ever get it back to his normal timeline. I, I wasn't a huge fan when I was younger and i I don't think I'll be watching this, but I know that it had its fans in the past and there may well be some people out there. So if you do watch Quantum Leap on Paramount Plus and you can recommend it, then do let us know because I won't be watching. I, it's not enough for me to resubscribe to Paramount Plus, unfortunately. Got to work harder than that, Paramount Plus. Final couple of things this week then is The Great Season 3 uh, comes out on Lionsgate Plus, again, another platform that I'm probably not going to subscribe to. Uh, although I, The Great is one of those shows that i have had on my list for a while to watch because I've never seen it before. But it's the satirical comedic drama about the rise of Catherine the Great from outsider to longest reigning female ruler in Russia's history. Yes,
0: yeah, so I've seen clips of this. Raluca has watched it. And it looks, I mean, it's a it's a beautifully made show. There's some great performances in it. It's not quite grabbed me enough to watch it properly, but it is. it strikes me as a decent show. Would I describe it as great?
1: I don't know. What's his name, the chap in it? Nicholas
2: uh, well, Holt. Holt. Nicholas Holt.
1: NL Fanning.
0: Yes. Mm.
1: yeah. Nick Holt. So, as for the Arrested Development fans. <laughs> Finally, the final shout-out this week is a World War II drama World on Fire Season 2, which comes to the Beeb on Sunday, the 16th of July. Did any of you see World on Fire Season 1?
2: No, but does it kind of sit within the world of sort of Downton Call the Midwife...
1: Uh, possibly, possibly. I haven't seen it, so I don't know. Again, it's one of those things that people have said good things about to me before. So World on Fire has been on my list of things, a very, very long list of things that maybe one day I'll get around to watching. I'm curious. Again, if anyone watches World on Fire or has seen it already and can recommend, do get in touch. Now, from this list, guys, we've got to pick a show to watch for our watch list next week.
2: I want to watch The After Party. But will it be, will it be, if we only watch one episode, we probably won't get the joy of the different genres, no?
1: Uh, yeah, we might have to go for, the, I, I imagine I'll put the first two episodes out there, which is quite often what Apple TV does. I think it is going to be the best of the bunch this week. I mean, you're not going to watch Foundation, and I I wouldn't recommend you watch the first episode of the second season of Foundation. So for me, After Pie is the best show on the list.
2: is going to opt for the heat. <laughs>
0: I'm 100% going for
1: hate. <laughs> well, the only reason that I, I feel like I, I am torn this week, because if we did the After Party, this would be, what, the second or third Apple TV show we've done in recent weeks? We did The Crowded Room, didn't we? And then we did Hijack.
2: Should we go from sort of some of the greatest TV to uh, Cheeky Channel 5? Let's do it! <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: we've never covered a Channel 5 show. We always say it's good to do the terrestrial shows every now and then so I think we'll make heat to the watch list episode but Grace I hope you will watch the after party so we can chat about that as well next week
0: I'll try I think also talking about 90s erotic drama the only thing we can do is watch something on channel five in homage
1: <laughs> is there any news we want to pick up on before we go Damo
0: yes So I I was listening to an interview, I can't remember who it was, uh, earlier this week. I put it in the WhatsApp group, talking about Paramount Plus especially, where shows are disappearing off of streaming sites. So say it's just not getting any views, the algorithm is saying it's not been successful and suddenly it's gone, never to be found again. And because this is all, all the content we access now is at the behest of these streaming services, we don't have a copy of it ourselves. So I think, Adam, you were saying previously, I can't remember what show it was. It
2: was the Pink Ladies one, wasn't it, Adam?
1: Yeah. Well, it was just, it just no, that one was just that it hadn't been out for very long. Like, it only came out recently, and then all of a sudden it's going, before a lot of people would have had a chance to watch it. It was Willow, and particularly that on Disney+, Plus that I thought was a shame, A, that it was cancelled in the first place, but B, to then take it off.
0: I found out that the reason why streaming services are doing this is because if they say a show is a failure whether or not they give it enough time, is it can then be written off for tax purposes. So this is the reason you can chuck 50 million at a TV series. And if it doesn't do well, you go, oh, 50 million tax write off there. Oh, God, what a shame. So it's interesting. This is something that the streamers are starting to do because of the number of different streamers and, you know, your Netflixes and your primes are all well, maybe not at, but there's not much more growth they can get in terms of subscribers. So they think that we're going to start seeing a real contracting of what will come out as original, interesting programming, even from your Netflixes and your primes.
1: Yeah. I, mean, it's, I think there's the sort of residuals that they have to pay and, and fees to sort of the production companies as well. That's sort of part of the reasons that they're coming down. but. I mean, you know, we are, we are in this almost golden age of TV, right, where the, it's never been easier to get a TV show made in some respects. Like so much risks are being taken on a lot more different shows, just they may not last to a second season or even be kept on the on a service for that long. But yeah, it's it is uh, a bubble is bound to burst at some point.
2: There's going to be a TV show about all the TV shows that have got taken off streaming platforms
1: well that Black Mirror episode was almost that right
2: right haven't seen it so yeah
1: you haven't watched Black Mirror
2: no No, I haven't I watched the first one but I haven't carried on oh that was the one Joan is Awful oh great yeah then yeah that one yeah
1: (laughs) (laughs) what about the news did either of you watch Biker Grove back in the day
2: oh did I yes was it good uh by a grove. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. <laughs> yes, Damo,
0: exactly. I cannot see. I cannot see. It shut me in my eyes. I cannot see. <laughs> That's a spoiler from a show from
1: 1996. <laughs> was there a character called Spuggy?
0: Yeah, there was a character called Spuggy, who I believe was gay. And there was a very touching storyline about someone coming on to and then coming out to their friend.
1: Nice. Well, it's coming back, Biker Grove. And Wonderful. it's going to be exec produced by PJ and Duncan themselves. Goodness me.
0: Very moving. I mean, let's get ready to rumble. I wonder if uh, them exec producing this show might be a uh, stepping stone, aha, uh-huh, aha, mm, uh-huh, to another... TV show. Sorry, for those who don't know, uh, one of the deep cuts in PJ and Duncan's pop uh, back catalogue is Stepping Stone. For those of us who had the album, the really cool people.
1: <laughs> Onto a more serious note, though, um, some sad news this week that uh, the fourth season of Sex Education will, in fact, be the final season of Sex Education. The show is ending, uh, but the start of that season for quite well, probably the whole season, right, will be dropped on the 21st of September on Netflix. So looking forward to seeing the full season. But yeah, sad that it's all coming to an end.
2: Same. But I, I think I think shows are getting quite savvy about when to call it these days. You know, long gone are the 21 series of the West Wing or whatever we got in the end.
0: <laughs> and also, these kids surely have to graduate from school, right? It's not going to be like you said a Saved by the Bell situation, where they're in high school for like eight years or nine years.
2: So weird. Yeah, I think in the last season, are they at college, Adam?
1: Yeah, like sixth form college, so it's a new, new setting for this season. But yeah, we've had to wait a little while, um, but I guess, you know, making TV takes time, and it's probably a good thing that they didn't come too early. Yeah. The show we mentioned, I think, on the Black Mirror episode was uh, Kevin can F himself, uh, which is the one starring that actress who's in Black Mirror from Schitt's Creek.
2: Oh, um... uh... Annie Murphy.
1: Annie Murphy, that's the one. The second and final season of that arrives on the 2nd of August. So that's uh, exciting. I'm going to try and get the first season under my belt before that comes out.
0: Yeah, big recommend. I think Izzy's watched this as well. She is brilliant. And I cannot wait. That's that's really exciting that that is so soon. I didn't know it was coming.
1: And then final bit of news is that uh, Apple TV Plus have announced a brand new adult animated series by Emmy Award winner Dan Harmon and New York Times bestselling author Nathan W. Pyle based on his best-selling graphic novel and social media phenomenon on Strange Planet. It's a hilarious and perceptive look at a distant world not unlike our own Set in a whimsical world of cotton candy, pinks and purples, relatable blue beings explore the absurdity of everyday human traditions. That comes out on the 9th of August. Any any more news? Any other talking points you've got? Well,
2: speaking of whimsical world of cotton candy, pinks and purples, is anyone going to go see Barbie in the cinema?
1: I watched the trailer with Otis and um, we were he, he wanted to watch the trailer for Elemental. And I was like, well, we're on the cinema website now we might as well have a look at the barbie trailer it does look pretty brilliant
2: i'm 100 percent gonna go in fact i'm gonna do barbenheimer which is when you <laughs> start your day of black coffee cigarettes then go see oppenheimer then you have brunch and mimosas then you go to barbie and then you hit the club i won't be hitting the club i'll be hitting the sack <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you going on a Friday night?
2: Oh, oh, Sunday night. Obviously, I'm not as into film as I am into my TV, but I have to say I'm quite excited about those two movies. I'm going to go watch them on the big
0: screen. I need to be convinced about seeing Barbie on the big screen. I do want to see it. But yeah, I think Oppenheimer needs to be seen. I've seen lots of videos about what type of cinema you should go to and what the screen should be, because I think people have gone really nerdy into the way it's being shot and, and the best possible way you can experience it. So I might try and do that or if or if not, I'll just go to IMAX. I wonder maybe, Adam, if you can watch it in uh, 4D.
1: Definitely <laughs> not. There's no way I'm ever going to a 4D experience. Please uh, stop triggering those uh, traumatic uh, memories for me. But yeah, I, I I would love to have more time to go to the cinema. It's I work so many evenings, so it becomes trickier for me. Still haven't got to see Spider-Verse yet. So that's... Probably going to be ahead of Barbie and Oppenheimer for me. But, yeah, we'd love to go and see both of those.
0: Listeners, if if you're going to do the the and Heimer, Oppenbee uh, combination in whichever version that is, why don't you get in contact and let us know? You can find us at Pod at Twitter and <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, you can just put TVDNA in the search bar on Facebook or in Google to find us we are not yet on threads but only because i don't know how to have more than one account in the app running uh, at the same time but who knows maybe if you're really well behaved and eat all your greens we might have a threads account too
1: i don't know what threads is but yeah okay uh but yeah do do if you watch those shows we mentioned earlier then let us know what you think of those as well just let us know what you're watching we'd love to hear from you please do also give us a five star rating and a review we have got the emmys coming out this week so our hope is to be able to record an emmy special plus we've also got a secret invasion episode probably coming out if episode four is (laughs) worthy and we're also trying to get a little watch list curation episode going with mr mike carter one of our friends and colleagues So uh, hopefully there'll be some more stuff coming to you soon. Otherwise, we'll be back next week for the Watchlist episode on Channel 5's EAT. So just just
0: to quickly confirm, it's not Heat starring Al Pacino and Bobby De Niro. The Michael Mann epic. I don't want people to think that that's what we're watching and talking about because I think you will be incredibly disappointed.
1: (laughs) Thank you for that public service announcement.